The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a sunny and hot Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Spring is gone and summer is right around the corner here in Auburn, Alabama with the heat rising. Uh, and it should just stay hot from now until uh, about November. So uh, hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing. Back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird with you in the studio for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. Well, lots to talk about today. Uh, we have some more football news out of the transfer portal. We'll get to that uh, coming up throughout today's show. We're going to start with basketball, uh, wrapping up and getting into the conversation a little bit more because we didn't quite get all that we wanted to say yesterday uh, with the Alan Flanagan news and just sort of looking at what this basketball team is going to look like now that we've seen a couple of guys transfer we saw an assistant coach leave so what is this team going to look like and how good can they be we're going to sort of talk about that here to start off the show today but then coming up at 2 30 we are going to talk the news from the transfer portal as Auburn football adds an addition to the offensive line. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how big of an impact this guy is going to make and how much better Auburn got because of him and where Auburn could go and do even more in the transfer portal. That'll be here in hour number one. Then to start hour number two, uh, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he'll join us to start off hour number two. We'll talk to him about all the biggest news around the SEC and around the country uh, some pretty uh, crazy news going on around the world of college athletics and then we'll talk some more football uh, about Auburn coming up in hour number two as well and so a busy busy show but Carter happy Tuesday brother hope all is well oh yeah it's a great day man you know we continue to get that like we said yesterday slow trickle of news around Auburn athletics there's always something going on right now and it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be an Auburn fan. Yes, it is. With so much going on between uh, baseball, softball, basketball news, football news, other sports that are still in competition, uh, there's just so much going on uh, around Auburn athletics. And so uh, how fortunate are we to get to sit here and talk about it for two hours a day, five days a week. But you know how it is. The phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. And again, uh, we're holding off football stuff for just a little bit. So if you want to call in, talk a little basketball, with us we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again to put you through to us is 334-321-1390 on the phone lines or you can send us a tweet on twitter at espn 1067 and we're starting off again with the news we received about alan flanagan who will be entering his name into the transfer portal the consensus is that he would be going to Ole Miss. Uh, we don't know if that's the case 
but it seems like that's what's going on here. And Alan Flanagan has had an up-and-down career. We talked about that a little bit yesterday on this program. He had an up-and-down career at Auburn. And there were some times where he did some really, really good things, and there were some times he did some really, really bad things. And some of those things, good and bad, were on the floor, and some of those things were good and bad off the floor. And I think it's a combination of all of that with the injury that made the career of Alan Flanagan at Auburn just seem a little murky and I don't even know if that's the right word it just it wasn't as good as it could have been I think with Alan Flanagan at Auburn no I mean that's that's 100% true I mean I I mean I think everybody's gonna look back on Alan Flanagan's time at Auburn and be like he was a solid contributor um I mean it was fine I don't think anybody holds any ill will to Alan Flanagan uh but you certainly like looking at the numbers looking at how he progressed looking at his athletic ability you have to look at it and think man it certainly could have been better it certainly could have been better you're talking about a guy who really flashed in 2021 had the injury going into 21-22 really struggled to find himself in that season back half of this past year was pretty solid and I just sit there and I wonder what it would have been like without the injury. Would we have seen a fully evolved version of Alan Flanagan? Would we have seen the best version of Alan Flanagan? I do think that that injury is what kept Alan Flanagan from achieving more, achieving a higher level of play. I mean, he was somebody who you cannot ignore the improvement he made over his career. Look at year one. He plays in 31 games. He's not playing a ton of minutes, 13.8 minutes per game. But he shot 14.3% from three and 45.9% at the free throw line. Just a year later, 33.8% from three, 77.6% at the free throw line. Like, he got better. There's no denying that. Look at turnovers. That year that he had the ball in his hands a lot, 3.3 turnovers per game. This past year, 1.8. You saw him improve in aspects. It was up and down. It was inconsistent. But I, I, I keep coming back to the Achilles. How does, how does the, the timeline of Alan Flanagan's career... How does the timeline of Auburn basketball change if he doesn't tear the Achilles? Yeah. This is why I don't think athletes should be on bird scooters. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot to be said about the injury to Alan Flanagan and what he could have been at Auburn, what he could have been in the pros, uh, and what he could have done for Auburn and what Auburn could have been with Alan Flanagan. But he is transferring. And he got a degree. He graduated over the weekend. And so congratulations to him and the best of luck to Alan Flanagan. And as we turn the page on Auburn basketball, he's one of many guys that have transferred from Auburn. You have Alan Flanagan who is transferring. You have the two freshmen, the five stars that are no longer going to be here who are transferring in uh, Yoan Treor. With him transferring and also uh, Chance Westry, who both of those guys have decided to enter their names into the transfer portal. And so 
what does Auburn basketball's roster look like? What's this team going to look like in 23 and 24 when the season starts up in in late October, early November? Well, you still got your senior KD Johnson as a guard who's going to be on this team. You still have Jalen Williams, who is a grad student on this team, right? A guy that's been there for a long time, and we have talked about numerous times on what Jalen Williams could be for this team and what he could be in himself if he finds that that urge to be the best player on the floor which we think he could be at times you still have Jani Broom who's one of the best centers in the SEC you still have Chris Moore who brings valuable minutes and could be even better than he is at full health I think Chris Moore is is a really good player you also have Dylan Cardwell who is a solid backup center in the SEC could you get better sure but if you don't, if you just stick with Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell, Auburn basketball is still in a good spot at the center position at the five. I'm not too worried with those two adding, guys. I don't think you're adding anybody at the five. I mean, maybe you add somebody at the four. Right. I mean, but but when you look at this roster for Auburn, Alan Flanagan's gone. You have to add somebody at the three. Matthew Cleveland off the table, going to Miami. Like we've said, it felt like he was behind a guy or two, uh, and it certainly feels like Tyron Lawrence is the holdup right now as he explores professional options. Uh, one of Auburn's biggest, um, I guess, threats for Tyron Lawrence was Georgia. They just landed Noah Thomason today. Mm, I saw that. Which looks like somebody who would potentially take a scholarship that would be for Tyron Lawrence so maybe the door is finally 100% open for Tyron Lawrence to come to Auburn and maybe so and then you look at who Auburn is bringing in either through the transfer portal or through the recruiting classes so who are the new faces new names on this Auburn basketball team Aiden Holloway the freshman guard who is a superstar you still you still have Trey Donaldson. He's going to be back for his sophomore year, and I think he could be really, really good. If you listen to this program during the basketball season, you heard me talk about how good Trey Donaldson is and how good Trey Donaldson can be. But you bring in Aiden Holloway through the high school ranks. You bring in Denver Jones as your starting two guard. He will be your starting two, uh, the junior yes. coming uh, out of New Market, Alabama. He will be your starting two. You bring him in. You also bring in Chaney Johnson, the junior, who this is the interesting one for me because there's a couple of different spots I think he could fit on this roster when you look at who's on the floor at what time with Chaney Johnson because you look at what Chaney Johnson is. He is 6'7", 215 pounds, and he's listed as a guard. He could be, but I look at him as more of a three than anything. I don't – I look at him as – a four. I look at him as you pair him with Jalen Williams and they run the four. That's fair. I can I, see I, that. I think that is, I mean, because I don't see him playing guard for Auburn. No, he's not. He's not. I mean, he, he'll play wing or he'll play the four. But it, because think about it if Chaney Johnson's not playing the backup four, who's your backup four? Yeah, unless you go get somebody. Six foot five Chris Moore, like we saw at the end of the year. I don't think they want to do that. And I don't trust his, I don't trust his health enough. Chris Moore, that is. I don't trust his health enough for that to be a thing. And and look, I love Chris Moore, but again, as I find myself saying this quite often, there are better options 
than Chris Moore. I like him, and I think he can bring you some really solid minutes for this Auburn basketball team. But Cheney Johnson can be more than Chris Moore. He, he just can. And so I see Cheney Johnson as a three or a four. Uh, it, and again, it depends on who's on the floor at the time, in my opinion. If you want to go big, you can put him at the three and run Jani Broom, Jalen Williams, Cheney Johnson. Uh, I mean, that would be, those are three studs on the floor at one time with some really big height um, with Denver Jones at the two. And if you wanted to go big at the one, you'd play, uh, you'd have to go Trey Donaldson. I guess, Tra- yeah, Trey is the biggest one of the two. Yeah. So if you wanted to go big, that would be who you went with. Um, but I think Cheney Johnson's going to be a really, really good player. And that still leaves Auburn the option to go and get somebody. You were talking just a second ago. We think they are still in the works for some people, but there's some really good talent on this Auburn team. Whether it's returning guys or new faces, there's still a lot of talent on this team. By my count, you're only at nine scholarships because Allen's gone, mm-hmm. Wendell's gone, uh, Chance is gone, Yoan's gone, Stretch is gone. Forgot about him. Mm-hmm. All those guys are gone. You're only at nine scholarships. Maybe Lior gets a scholarship for his final year. Because he is coming back. But that's still three scholarships out there. Auburn's going to add one. I have a hard time not seeing Auburn add two. I think you add a Tyron Lawrence, and you add somebody who has, again, a little bit of versatility, can give you, um, will probably play the three, but has the ability to play the four. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but at the same time, like maybe a hybrid four or five. Maybe. And I will say, when you look at the transfer portal right now for college basketball, there are some really big names in there that have already committed. There are some still there are still big names in there. But not as many as you would think. And so this goes back to the conversation we have sometimes where if you are Bruce Pearl and Auburn, or even if you're just a basketball team and a basketball program, the transfer portal is really, really tricky because you don't want to, when the portal opens, you don't want to jump on the very first name that hops in there. But you also don't want to wait and get stuck with the guys that are left over. And you have to figure out where you go and you just have to go and pick the guys that fit your system. And... You don't want to be left behind, and you've seen some of the biggest names pick the biggest schools. I think the biggest one was Hunter Dickinson transferring from Michigan going to Kansas. Uh, Not that Auburn was in the running there, but I mean that's the biggest name that was in the portal, and he left Michigan to go to Kansas. And so with Auburn, you just have to go and and pick the guys that fit your system, and I think Bruce Pearl, Stephen Pearl, and this Auburn staff are some of the best in the business at doing that. This is worth mentioning. I saw this yesterday. Marshall had a guard hit the portal, Andrew Taylor, uh, who last year, really good player at Marshall in the Sun Belt. 20.2 points per game, 36.4% from the three-point line, 80% at the free throw line, um, 44.9% from two. He's a guy who 20 points, uh, 4.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 2.1 steals. He'd be a guy to keep an eye on. I think pretty much immediately after he hit the portal yesterday, there was the um, the tweet that there is for every kid that's this school, this school, this school, like eight, nine schools have already contacted him. Auburn was on that list. 
I'd be interested to see what could he be a Tyron Lawrence backup, like like your in case something falls through there. Is he a? I mean, he's probably a solo two. He's just six three, one hundred eighty eight pounds. I don't think you can play the three like at that size in the SEC. I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 curious as to why Auburn reached out to a guy like this. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's just important to note that Auburn has some spots they can fill to just make this roster a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. There's still some. I mean, there's really good talent on the team right now, but if you have the room and you find a guy that fits your system, go after him and doesn't mean you have to get somebody just because just to say you did but I don't think Auburn basketball is quite done either because you can still get better with the guys in the portal I think you're solid at the guard spot I think you're solid at the five spot I think it's that three and four where you're just trying to find some playmakers and some depth at those positions yeah I think what we've got like three days left in the transfer portal yeah it's it's something it's, like that. it's something like that I'd have to look at the exact dates again, but it's pretty close. And so we'll see if Auburn basketball is able to uh, make any additions like we've seen them already do, like we've seen the football team do as well. And uh, just interesting to see what this team is going to look like because there's going to be some new names and new faces. And I think you can see an improved Auburn team coming up in 2023 and 2024. Let's get to our first break here in our number one. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll touch on some Braves coming up in the Auburn baseball as they take on Sanford tonight up at the Hoover Met. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back here in the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's talk a little baseball before we get into the news around Auburn football in the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, We've got Auburn baseball tonight uh, in their midweek game playing up at the Hoover Met in preparation for uh, what they hope is a a long stretch in the SEC tournament, kind of getting used to the park up there a little bit, trying to get used to the facilities, all that good stuff, taking on uh, Sanford tonight, if I believe, in the midweek game. And this is one of those for Auburn where got to take care of business right you're coming off two massive wins against South Carolina and LSU Uh, if you are if you're Auburn baseball this is one of those midweeks where you have not been the most efficient team taking care of your midweek games Uh, this is a time for for Auburn baseball to go up there try to get a solid win coming off of the biggest win of the year you're playing Sanford in Hoover tonight uh, at the Hoover Met this is a game if you're Auburn Take care of business, right? Take care of business yeah. before you try to handle the last two SEC series. Yeah, I mean, 100%. This is a game that is – you cannot have your momentum kind of stymied here by by losing this game. You beat this team 13-3 to last time out. Um, you are coming off your two biggest wins of the year against LSU. Don't let Samford – a Sanford team that has a tendency to be a handful, can be tricky, can be difficult. Don't let them trip you up. Don't let them do it because, let me tell you, like that would, that would really kill the vibes going into these final two 
weekend series against teams that you should beat. Teams that if you go 5-1 and one against and win your midweek game against Samford, you're squarely, squarely in the host discussion for a second year in a row, yeah. which would be incredible because this Auburn team a month ago wasn't in D1 Baseball's projected tournament field. Yeah, what a turnaround it's been for this team where, I mean, we were talking yesterday about coming out of A&M and coming out of Tuscaloosa. This team was not in a good spot. And going into the toughest stretch of their entire schedule, Auburn baseball figured it out. The pitching staff figured it out. The bats have been there, right? The offense has been there pretty much all year. It's been the pitching staff that's had to adjust to injuries and different guys in different spots at different times on different days, and they figured it out. And this is a game tonight for Auburn baseball against Sanford where we talk about it all the time with Lindsey Crosby when he joins us. This game for Sanford is a huge opportunity for them. They see yep. it. They see when they get it, when the school like Sanford or UAB or South Alabama or Troy, when they get a chance to play Auburn or Alabama, they give it everything they got. Yeah, they give it, it everything more they to got. Those guys, because it's a lot of in-state kids that didn't get the opportunity to play at Auburn or Alabama, or maybe they went to one of those schools, transferred away. Uh, it's a coaching staff at Sanford that. Uh, well, okay, let's think about the last couple years. You had Brooks Carlson and Sonny DeShera transfer from Sanford to Auburn. Chase Isbell as well. Those three. I think it's probably a little bit personal for, for the guys on the Sanford team that were teammates with them. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Brooks and Sonny are still on the team, Chase Isbell is. I think it's probably a little personal for that Sanford coaching staff. So this game means a lot to Sanford. It absolutely absolutely does. And Auburn cannot go in there and sleepwalk through this game and expect that the logo on their helmet, the logo on their hat, is going to beat the Bulldog logo in this. Mm-hmm. The and Sanford because, team is a handful, can be a handful. Yeah. Also, and I've mentioned this before, do we remember who I said previously Sanford plays this weekend after playing Auburn? It's somebody ridiculous, right? It's the most random thing I've seen in my life. I don't remember what you told me. They are at home, which is not a huge stadium or anything, against Kansas. That's right. You did tell me that. Against Kansas. How weird is that? Why? <laughs> Why Why are the Kansas Jayhawks going to Sanford to take on the Bulldogs did, did in a weekend just go series? on the road to play like West Virginia and then just didn't want to go home or something? Like, like, why is this happening? And just decided to wrap up Big 12 play early or something? That doesn't no, make any they, sense. They just played at home against Texas. They're and just, then their next series is on the road at Texas Tech. So, like... There's got to be a reason Geographically, for that. Geographically, I don't know why this has happened. There has to be a reason for that. I don't know what it is, and I couldn't even remember who it was until you just told me, but what my, a weird series uncle, that is. Uh graduated from Kansas. I think he's potentially thinking about going to a game. <laughs> I, I mean, think he also like was not entirely sure that Kansas even had a baseball team until right. my dad mentioned it to I him. I mean, how many people outside of the state of Kansas have seen the Kansas Jayhawks play college baseball? Not very I mean, many. Some of your like Texas, Texas Tech, your TCU, like schools, schools in Texas and Oklahoma that care a lot about baseball. That's fair. Yeah, I'm sure they've caught a, co- uh, a home series. That's fair. Okay, outside of the Big Twelve, then. I mean, how many, how many 
Yeah, not many. Not many. <laughs> I mean, Kansas baseball. Come on, man. Like, and they're playing at Sanford. Can- How well, weird is that? Kansas baseball. If I recall correctly, their their two best players, uh, their two most recognizable players, right now, play for play shortstop for uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure first base or, or somewhere for Auburn. Auburn has a a Kansas transfer on the team, I believe. Okay. Well, speaking of college baseball, while we're on this subject, did you see what happened with Iowa and Iowa State yesterday with those athletic departments? Yes, with with, uh, apparently uh, sports gambling is a real issue. Yeah, and it doesn't look like Alabama. Like players may have been involved in those. Yeah, it doesn't look like Alabama was the only one that was involved in this. And seems like, and we'll get more into this as the show goes on, and Trey Wallace will join us from OutKick to start hour number two, and I know he has some thoughts on all of this. But looks like the NCAA may have just opened a door to somewhere they just don't want to be looking into with Coop, all of Cooper this. Cooper McMurray played for Kansas last year. How about that? How about that? I didn't know that. We'll talk some more about all this coming up later on, but we'll talk the Auburn football transfer portal news as the Tigers have a new offensive lineman. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, got through the basketball and baseball stuff, and uh, we'll get to the stuff we know you're here to listen to. Auburn football and Hugh Freeze. Carter, they did it again, man. They did it again with another addition through the transfer portal. They continue to go and find guys that make Auburn football better, and they pick up somebody in a position group that Auburn fans have been preaching for for years to make even better, and it was already pretty solid. It had already gotten better, but they made it even better yesterday with the commitment of Tulsa offensive lineman transfer Jada Muskrat. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you you look at Jaden Muskrat coming in, your second Tulsa transfer offensive lineman, second Tulsa transfer tackle. Try that. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> I'll uh, let you do that. <laughs> but yeah, so you've got you've got um though you've got Dylan Wade probably going to start at left tackle. You've got Jaden Muskrat, a guy who may not start but is an excellent depth piece and has plenty of time to play. I think he's got three years left. Um, I guess he could have an opportunity to play um, on the interior of the Auburn offensive line. That would certainly be uh, a benefit if he's able to walk in and start at one of those guard positions. But now you've what you've done is you've created – this offensive line that has, starts to have a little bit of depth, a little bit. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Depth, a little bit of depth on the offensive, offensive line? line. Wow. <laughs> no, I say that because we haven't been able to say that in years. Oh, we yeah. haven't been able and, to say that in it's, years. It's Ferg's tweet from last night. Justin Ferguson, friend of the show, friend of the station here. Uh, he had a wonderful tweet. As he, as, as he always been, does. As he's been tracking this for what feels like uh, forever. 
uh, as Hugh Freeze came in, started landing guys left and right and all over the place. I'm going to see if I can find it exactly uh, because it's it's one of those that's just how is this possible? How does it? How does oh, I this, know it. I know what tweet you're talking about. How does about. this keep happening? I think in the 2020, 2021, and 2022 recruiting cycles, whether it be high school signings, junior college signings, um, your your transfer signings. I think Auburn landed eight offensive linemen. Eight. This cycle, this cycle, they've landed nine. Yeah, that tells you all you need to know. That tells you all you need to know that in a three-year window between out of all of their options, Auburn football landed eight offensive linemen. And in this cycle alone, under Hugh Freeze and this staff, they've gotten nine. That's all you need to know about what Hugh Freeze and and company are doing, what they see for this program, what they understand had to happen when they walked in the front door of the football facility and they looked at this roster and they said, oh boy. They said, we got some work to do. And they're absolutely doing it. And they're also doing it the right way. I think that's important to note. Hugh Freeze did not pull a Deion Sanders and come in here and say, all right, everybody get out. You all, you all are not good enough. You got to go. He didn't do it like that. He is constantly working on this roster as guys continue to leave periodically it doesn't seem like it's been a huge wave it seems like it's been pretty consistent but it hasn't just been overwhelming of guys that have left yes Auburn signed eight offensive linemen in the 2020 2021 and 2022 recruiting cycles combined Auburn has now landed nine offensive linemen in the 23 cycle alone with last night's commitment of Tulsa tackle Jaden Muskrat I mean, that's just, that's a stat that cannot happen, man. That's a stat that cannot be, that's not an SEC football stat, man. You cannot have that as an SEC West football program. And I don't think that under Hugh Freeze or for any time in the foreseeable future that we will see a stat like that again when it comes to offensive linemen because Hugh Freeze has already proven that he understands you have to build the guys up front on both sides of the football to win in this conference and he knows how to win in this conference he was winning at Ole Miss he was and so he understands what that means and he went out and got at least a depth piece if not more in Jada Muskrat yes so here's something I want to circle back to that I remember from the NFL draft or post NFL draft that I think it's it's an NFL it's about an NFL team but it applies to college football. It applies to all levels of football, but it applies to what Hugh Freeze is doing at Auburn. It's from Greg R- Rosenthal. This is the first tweet on Twitter. Greg with two, two Gs, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles' biggest lesson. If you want great line play, commit massive resources to them every single year. Most teams talk about prioritizing the trenches, but don't act on it. Keep in mind, this is an Eagles team that's raved about as being so analytical. Uh, but but they build their team through the line, and that's why they went to the Super Bowl last year. And Kevin Clark quote tweeted this. Kevin Clark of the Ringer uh, said, told this story before, but short, shortly after the Foles Super Bowl, so when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for the Eagles, 
I was talking to an Eagles person about their innovations, use of analytics, fourth downs, offensive scheme, etc. The guy interrupts me and said, we won because of our lines. Everything else comes after. Good lesson there. It's a great lesson. That's exactly what Hugh Freeze is doing. It's exactly what Brian Harson didn't do. That's exactly what... Man, Gus Malzahn can land all the the empty calorie four-star wide receivers. The athletes. <laughs> the, the guys who, yeah, on the recruiting rankings, they're a four-star and they're going to bump Auburn up into the top 15. That's great. But one, Auburn can't develop them. Two, you can't get them the ball if you don't have a line. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Free said, you know what? We're going to build this thing from the inside out. We're going to build it from the literal football. The people who line up the center position, you go get Avery Jones. At, at tackle, your bookend tackles, you go get Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton. On the defensive side, you go get Justin Rogers. You go get the Purdue transfer. You get Mosiah Nasili Kite. Nice. You go get these transfers. You go flip Kildrick Falk. You go flip Connor Liu. You get guys that can play in this league. You built it. You're starting to build it from the trenches. And look, Auburn's not going to be a 10 win team in 2023. They're not. But this is how you build the foundation to win. This is what Nick Saban did at Alabama. This is dadgum sure what Kirby Smart did, has done, and is currently doing at Georgia. You want to know why Alabama's not the dominant team that they've been? It's because the interior defensive linemen that they've had for a decade plus who have dominated the SEC and been first-round draft picks and gone on to dominate the NFL, they're all sitting in Athens, Georgia. And the, and the NFL-level offensive line that they've had for 10 years is no longer there. Georgia's had, what, one, at least one, two more often, offensive linemen drafted in the first round. They've had one or two defensive linemen drafted in, in, in the first round for the past three, four, five years. And it all That's- comes back to basics, which is literally offensive and defensive line, which makes your quarterbacks better. It makes them look a lot better than they are until they actually become legends at their schools and legends in college football and legends and becoming young legends in the NFL. Look at Jalen Hurts. This game is infinitely easier from an offensive and defensive perspective when you win the six-inch war. Yeah. When your five on the offensive line can move their five six inches. Yep. Six inches in whatever direction you want to move them because then it frees everything up when you dominate the trenches and it works on the defensive line. We saw this with 2019 Auburn. That 2019 Auburn team, that defense, that defense is the most criminally underrated defense in my mind in Auburn history because they didn't have the offense, but because one side of the ball, Rodney Garner did a phenomenal job Building out the defensive line because you had Derek Brown. Heck, you had Tyron Truesdale who was pretty good. You had uh, Marlon Davidson. You had dudes. 
and they moved people. Derrick Brown just was tossing offensive linemen, literally tossing offensive linemen and sacked Joe Burrow with him. Yeah. He threw an offensive guard into Joe Burrow and sacked him with him. And that's why you're able to go hang with, you're able to go hang with the best potentially offense ever in Joe Burrow and LSU on the road and holding to 22 points. That's why you're able to play this special defense, this 3-3-5 that you had never played at any point that year. And you do it against them, and it works. And because Georgia wasn't there yet, Georgia tries to copy you in the SC Championship game, and they can't do it because they don't have the guys on the defensive line. Now, Auburn hasn't had a dominant offensive line oh, since gosh. 13. Yeah, 13. You, that's got to be the answer. When you dominate the trenches... It makes everything easier. Mac Jones. This is why I think Mac Jones is a bust in the NFL. Sorry, Zach Blackerby. I know you're out there probably <laughs> probably listening, and you're probably upset with me for this. But dude had first-rounders all over the place and skill position players, but he had a good offensive line. Which makes any quarterback That's better. all of these Alabama quarterbacks have had, except for Bryce Young. Which is what I was going to say. Credit to him yeah. for what he was able to do. Because look at the quarterbacks before before Nick Saban and Alabama started going after legitimate five star superstar quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts, Tua, Bryce Young. They were playing with with quarterbacks that were really really good, but they weren't this good. AJ McCarron and Greg McElroy were were really really good quarterbacks, but they weren't hyped up and weren't as no, good they, as they Bryce really Young. Because their offensive line was unbelievable. They had great exactly. running backs, and they had a first-round receiver every year. And they were extremely smart and knew how to play the game. But they weren't just the greatest thing in the entire world at the quarterback position, but they had all that stuff around them that made them better. That's what Hugh Freeze is trying to do right now at Auburn. He's trying to build an offensive line for a quarterback room that is still not there. Congratulations, you got Peyton Thorne. He's the only one in there. He's the only one in there that's worth anything to go and play right now in the SEC. That's why you went after him. But Hugh Freeze is trying to build an offensive line for him and for the quarterbacks to come. Whether it be Robbie Ashford when he develops, whether it be Walker White, or whether it be whoever, Holden Gurner, whoever it may be, you're absolutely right. Hugh Freeze is building the foundation the correct way. And it still comes down to wins on the football field, folks. He could do all of this and not win. And in three years, we may be talking about a restart. I don't think so. But he's starting it the right way, and he's building it from the ground up. And when you can make Auburn an attractive place for offensive linemen to come and play, that will let, that will let you get bigger and better offensive linemen down the, world, down the road in the biggest ones in the country, where Auburn has not even been in the conversation about the biggest and best offensive line in the country because they all go to Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama. And Auburn is trying to put themselves with Hugh Freeze. He's trying to put him in this program in the living rooms of the offensive linemen so they can have success in 24, in 25, and 26. The game right now for Auburn, this goes at wide receiver, this goes on the offensive line. This goes to every every position. You got to get guys drafted. You got to get guys drafted because then that that is the biggest recruiting tool. You can say NIL. You can say winning an SEC championship game. You can say winning a national championship. All that's all those are great. They are. They absolutely are. But when you have when you have a kid 
who's making the decision between Florida State or Auburn. And Auburn's got a better track record putting guys in the NFL, and he knows that his position coach can get him to the NFL, develop him, get him there, get him to a second contract in the league. He's going to choose Auburn more times than not. And I think Jake Thornton on the offensive line is a guy who can do that. I think Aldridge is a guy, linebacker, who can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm a little curious to see what that unit looks like. We've seen the shakeup already. We've seen DeMario Tolan come in. We've seen Austin Keys come in. You know you've got Robert Woodyard, who I think might be a stud this year. You've got Cam Riley returning. Uh, Wesley Steiner, you're after Larry Nixon, the North Texas transfer, who I think is going to be on, on campus this weekend. Um, if you can do that on the offensive line, the defensive line, at wide receiver, when's the last really good Auburn receiver that's been drafted? Really good? Because Seth Williams uh, goes in the seventh round. I think he was good. He was not great. I mean, Sammy, Sammy Coates Williams, got drafted and played Seth a little Williams bit. Williams left a lot of meat on the bone in his Auburn career. He could have been elite. He could have been great. Heck, he could have been a top two or three receiver in Auburn history. I don't think he had the want to, the, the work ethic to get to that point. Anthony Schwartz... He, he ran really fast, man. He, he was had, a track star and a football he had helmet, bad man. bad hands. He had bad quickness. And you've seen that in the NFL because he has, hasn't done anything. You look at, I mean, Sammy Coates. I love Sammy Coates. I, I, I do. He played for the Steelers there for Not a while. great hands. I don't think he was a great route runner. Freak athlete. Duke Williams, we know what, what held that up. But it's been a long time, man, since you saw a guy come through Auburn and you were like, that guy's really good. He developed really well. And he is better off at the wide receiver position going into the NFL draft than he was. Like, he developed. And it's a benefit he came to Auburn. Hasn't happened because Gus Malzahn didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We, we know Daggum well. Brian Harson didn't do it because, one, the offensive line wasn't there. The quarterback wasn't there. And... The receivers weren't worth anything either, and you couldn't get the ball to them regardless. They couldn't get separation. I'll give you one better before we get to break. It's been a long time since we've seen somebody come through Auburn and get to the pros and think, wow, they came to Auburn, developed, and Auburn made them an NFL talent. It's been even longer. You said Darius Slayton, I guess. Maybe. Guess. It's been even longer since we saw somebody come to Auburn and have the confidence when they stood on campus, when they stepped their first step on the football field, and we said, that guy's going to be an NFL superstar. We have the confidence that Auburn's going to make him even greater than he is already. Who was the last one you could confidently say stepped on in an Auburn uniform, and you said, that guy's going to be a stud in the NFL at the receiver position or the quarterback spot? Derek Brown because of Rodney Garner. That's fair. And then... For me, Braden Smith. Yeah. The dude was, he's, he's Kansas Paul Bunyan. But it doesn't happen often where you're looking at Alabama, you look at Georgia, you look at Ohio State, when a quarterback or a receiver or, or a linebacker, when they step on campus, you know, A, they're already NFL good, but B, that program they're playing for is going to make them NFL good. Auburn doesn't have that yet, but I think they can. And they're doing the right things, and they're building from the ground up. 
And I think Hugh Freeze is doing all the right things as of right now. We have to get to our final break here in our number one. We'll wrap it up when we come back and then stay tuned at three o'clock. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, will join us to start off our number two. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, talking uh, Auburn football with the commitment of the offensive lineman from Tulsa uh, for Auburn football. Yet again, another offensive lineman that Auburn has picked up. And how nice is it, right? How nice is it for us to say that Auburn has picked up another offensive lineman, another offensive lineman? Yeah, it's pretty nice to say with Jaden Muskrat, who has committed to play for Hugh Freeze and the Tigers. So there's another body in front of whoever the quarterback's going to be in 2023 this fall, whether it be Peyton Thorne or whether it be uh, Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, whoever it might be, uh, Hank Brown, if he wants to come in and, and really set the world on fire but uh yeah another offensive lineman on campus he's signed he's in he is going to be an Auburn Tiger and just can't talk enough about how how awesome this has been for Hugh Freeze and the staff to go out and get quarterbacks and offensive linemen and defensive players and receivers and again I don't think they're done I don't think Auburn's done. I still think there's room to grow for this team. And uh, it's exciting to see what they will do. Also, what's exciting is what Trey Wallace is going to tell us coming up at uh, about 3.05, I think, is when we're getting him on the phone line. Mm -hmm. So about to get to our top of the hour break, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, He's one of, if not the the best in the business. Uh, He'll be joining us at 3.05. So just as we get underway in hour number two, talking all the biggest storylines around the SEC and in college athletics because, man, yesterday was a wild day with news around college athletics. Something going on in West Virginia. You got things going on in Iowa. Man, it's a it's a wild time in college athletics. So we'll talk to Trey Wallace again. He covers the SEC for Outkick. He'll be joining us as we start hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird with you on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Our number one is in the books. You know what that means. Our number two is underway right here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up 
with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Uh, just click on the podcast center. It'll be commercial free right there, right after the show, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talk some Auburn basketball, just sort of looking at what this team could look like coming up this year with the transfers that are gone, uh, the guys that have come in with the Alan Flanagan news that we got yesterday. And so we took a look at what that could look like. Also, talking Auburn football as the Tigers add an offensive line transfer. Jaden Muskrat from Tulsa. We'll talk about that some more coming up later on in the hour. But want to get to uh, our guest to start off hour number two. And it's Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for OutKick joining us here on the phone lines to start hour number two. Trey, it's been a minute for you and I, brother. Hope you're doing well. I am doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a minute. There's been crazy stuff happening all around college athletics. Yep. It just seems like it's, uh, I don't know, there's, there's not an offseason, guys. I, I think that's pretty obvious by now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like the, the offseasons um, so find a way to get crazier and crazier as now. I mean, we've, and I didn't expect we, us to be here, but... Sports gambling and intercollegiate athletics right now is a very dominant storyline uh, with what's going on yeah. in Alabama, what's going on at Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that, Trey? I, you know, I, the Alabama thing was was shocking because when it when yes. it first happened, when it first happened, and you got you, we all saw the report. I think it was either Sunday or Monday. You know, we're like, okay, Alabama off the board. Okay, somebody probably just somebody probably just messed with the sports book by placing a big bet. You know, that's that's what I probably mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of people bet on college baseball during the regular season. Okay, they they wait until the NCAA tournament uh gets underway and whatnot. And then I was like, Okay, this seems an interesting story, but I don't know how much legs it has. And then I got a phone call Monday night and they're like, uh, Trey, this story's a little bit bigger than Maybe what you're thinking. And I was like, okay, explain. <laughs> and then once they started explaining it, the fact that they were going through Brad Bohannon's uh, cell phone records, uh, the fact that they were digging around Alabama, this, this was a lot more than, than somebody going to a sports book and putting $1,000 on a college baseball game. Um, and, and I think that but, – but, but I want to make it clear here. I, I think there's two different situations that are going on. Um, at Alabama – you allegedly, I'm going to use that word allegedly, had a coach that was, was gambling on his games that, that he was involved in. At Iowa and Iowa State, from talking to folks, this feels like you have got young student athletes that are finding different ways to gamble on different sports. So be it like the NBA or um, college football or, or whatever, NASCAR, golf, whatever. This feels like they're logging into a FanDuel account or a DraftKings account or a BetMGM account, and they're placing wagers that way. It doesn't feel like anything like what happened at Alabama. So, you know, when, when folks ask me, I just, I just wrapped up something, a story, and I, and I put out a story this morning, and I was talking to, I spoke with eight different student athletes around college, college football mm-hmm. and in college basketball. And three of them told me that, that they found ways to get around the system. They thought, you know, or they think, uh, and gamble on athletics. So three out of the eight, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it, 
it's an interesting number. But I, but I look at it, and here's what it comes down to. You've got colleges that are promoting this. Um, you have got colleges that, that sign deals with Sportsbook. I think everybody remembers when LSU signed up with Caesar Sportsbook in 2021, and they were the official sportsbook of LSU Athletics. Yeah. Well, what in, what in the hell did you think was going to happen? <laughs> right. You are – you were you were advertising that they sent email blasts out to students. So, like, what do you think is going to happen when you're inviting this onto your campus? Do you think that these 21 year old kids aren't going to try to find ways to gamble on you know LeBron James and Kevin Durant or or, or, or anything? You know, and, and that could be that could be me as a student athlete going up to my girlfriend letting her sign up for an account, me giving her 30 or 40 bucks and saying, hey, do this kind of parlay for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's as simple. That's, that's as simple as this could be. And, and, and I'm sure there's a lot more to it. But, 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 but getting to the gist of it, we got a problem, guys. And I think this is just the beginning um, of some crackdowns that are probably going to happen around the country. Um, and, and as you can see, I mean, what, uh, 26 student athletes um, at, uh, at Iowa, 15 student athletes at Iowa State. Guys, that's just, that's just one state, and that happened within yep. four or five days. So it's getting a little crazy. Yeah, well, well, Trey, that's exactly where I was going next was I heard earlier today someone say, and, and I can't remember who it was, but they said that it seems like with the Alabama situation with with them firing uh, their head baseball coach because of a bet being placed in Ohio, with the and we all know the situation there, it seems like that situation was the NCAA opening a door to a room they just didn't want to be in and be looking inside because of what has already happened with Iowa and Iowa State. And look, we know this is going to be bigger. You already said it, but where does the NCAA go from here? Because Trey... They just don't have the best track record when it comes to handling stuff like this. Well, no, they don't. And I think the NCAA, and here's the other key part of this. It's not, right now, it's not the, look, the NCAA put out a statement, okay? But it's the state regulators. It's the Ohio state regulators. It's the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. I'm going to tell everybody this, and I hope they understand. When you sign up for an account, and look, when I come home to Alabama and I go to Mobile and I see my family, I get agitated because, oh, I forgot to play. If I wanted to place like a $5 parlay, <laughs> oh, dang it, I forgot to do that. I can't do it while I'm home. Right. All oh, this sucks. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that in Alabama if you're listening. But for other people that are listening outside the state, when, when you sign up for an account, you are giving they, – they know your information within five minutes. When you sign up, you put in your bank account or you put in your social security number or your email, these places, they know what you're betting. So if you're betting $10 one day, then all of a sudden you bet $500 the next day, that's going to pop up as a red flag. The NCAA in this situation, I don't want to say they're powerless, but the NCAA didn't have anything to do with what was going on in Iowa and what was going on in Ohio with Alabama's coach. They came in on the backside and they're like, oh, well, we're looking into this and we're going to investigate these matters. We're going to. 
uh, we may have just may have just lost Trey there. Apologies for the for the disconnection noise. We may have I'll just lost to, him. Yeah, see I'll if try you, to get him back on. Yeah, see if you can get him back on, and that may be him calling right back right back in here. We'll try to see if we can get him get him back on again. Apologies for the uh, the disconnection noise. May have gone through a tunnel or something. But we'll try to get Trey back on in just a second. Talking about just all of the the situation going on around college athletics with uh, with um, with all the gambling and, and crackdowns from what seems to be on the legal side of things versus the NCAA. And Trey, I believe we got you back on, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and what I was trying to get at with the NCAA is that, yes, they technically have power here, but this is going to come down to the colleges. This is going to come down to what's going on on campus, and this is going to come down to the federal regulators uh, that are overseeing the, these, these gambling situations. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it, it's going away. Um, I, I, the, the, the people that I, I spoke with about this, it, it feels like there's a problem. And we're, and we're not talking about, I want to make this clear, we're not talking about any players throwing any games or, or shaving points or anything along those lines at the moment. I think we're talking about guys that, that are signing girls, that are signing up for accounts and, and uh, thinking they can get around the system when, when they have to realize these sports books, they're very smart, they've got a lot of technology, and that technology can pin you down. I mean, guys, I, every time, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to, you know, if I, if I want to place a bet, a $5 parlay, and I don't gamble a lot, but if I want to place a parlay and have a little fun on a game, okay, well, I have to verify my location mm-hmm. every time I open my app. They know what neighborhood I'm in. They know what zip code I am in in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I promise you, these student athletes, man, they got to smarten up because they can track down where this stuff is coming from. So that's why I think we'll have problems going forward. Well, Trey, I I kind of want to take it back to a more specific angle about Alabama. With this taking place in yeah. Alabama, with everything else that has gone on, I mean, really, you can go back to the uh, Jermaine Burton punch of the Tennessee fan walking off the field. It feels like every couple weeks there's a new storyline, something new, something negative What's going on in Alabama, and and what's what's the state of that athletic department? As it's just it's never any positive news that comes out of of Tuscaloosa. They got a public relations problem. Um, I think that's obvious. I think going back to the Darius Miles situation, that unfortunate, horrible tragedy that happened on Alabama's campus, um, Jamai Harris was was killed. Um, I think that the way that Alabama handled that was pathetic. Um, and I'm not talking about whether or not to suspend Brandon Miller, okay? Um, I'm talking about how they handled it from a PR standpoint, uh, how Nate Oates couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth, you know, when, when he wants to go up there for press conferences. Um, I think that when you look at, you know, and, and, and look, it's not Nick Saban's fault that Tony Mitchell got arrested in Florida with with weed and guns and and that's all you know he's, he's innocent until proven guilty okay not nick saban's fault that that happened um but nick saban did the right thing and suspended the kid immediately and we're going to let things play out and we'll, we'll see where the investigation goes for the kid didn't kick him off the team immediately just suspended him uh yet an alabama transfer from wichita state and i'm sorry his name is slipping my mind right now um, but he gets caught with weed and 
They might not be his guns, but there's three guns in his car that there's he was riding in. Jaquan Walton, I believe, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. So then Alabama wants to come out and say, well, he's no longer going to be a student athlete. We're not recruiting him anymore. Okay, that's a load of BS. You stopped recruiting him because he was coming to your school. Like he was back in Tuscaloosa. Like he, he was he was he was going to be a student athlete at, in, in your basketball program. So like the wording of it when he said we're going to stop recruiting, well you already had him on your team. You didn't <laughs> stop recruiting him, um, you know. And then you look at this the gambling situation. It has been a rough, rough six months for yeah. Alabama, and and I don't want to say. I don't want to say they brought it on themselves because that's taken away from the tragic incident that happened on campus. But I will say that they brought it on themselves when it comes to a public relations standpoint. I will say that Greg Burns, and we're also forgetting, you know, not forgetting, but the domestic violence incident mm-hmm. that happened with their assistant athletic director of compliance. Um, so it just, it, just it, it hasn't been good. And, it's been a long time since Alabama has had a black eye like this. I think we can both agree on that. Um, but you look at what's going on right now, guys, basketball, football, and baseball all have situations going on mm-hmm. at the same time at Alabama. It's just, it's not a good look. And if Greg Byrne, if Greg Byrne doesn't figure it out and put a stop to this, and it's hard, look, he can't control all those student athletes on campus. I 100% get that. But the way Alabama looks right now, public perception is that school is out of control. So Greg Byrne better figure that out. Or a year from now, this keeps up. Greg Byrne won't be the AD at Alabama. Trey, I mean, you, you bring it up. I mean, are we starting to flirt with that scary that scary phrase that we always throw out there, lack of institutional control? I think it's an interesting question. I think it comes down to um, what the NCAA looks into. Like the the NCAA in this baseball thing, um, let's just say, and I hate putting it out there like this, but let's just say like there were warning signs with Brad Bohannon or – Alabama had told him, you know, to, hey, man, we know what you're up to. Stop betting on baseball games. Like, you're not betting against this. I don't know. I'm just coming up with something. Like, if that were to happen, then, yeah, you throw the lack of it. You, you could throw a lack of institutional control, though it would be hard to, to hammer down. Is the NCAA paying attention to Alabama? Absolutely. Um, are they paying attention because of, well, let's just say, like what Tennessee was going through mm-hmm. because of Jeremy Pruitt? No, they're not. But I've talked with enough, spoken with enough people over the last five months, and I feel fairly good to say that, yeah, the NCAA is, is, is just keeping a, a watchful eye on things in, in Tuscaloosa right now uh, from an outside standpoint. So I'm interested to see where it goes from here. 
Speaking with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Trey, one more question before we let you get out of here. From an Auburn perspective, yeah. on the other side of the state, uh, seems like good things are going on down here with football and uh, as Hugh Freeze getting and basketball, and baseball, basketball well. baseball, lots of good things going on here in, in on the plains here in Auburn, Alabama. What have you seen that Hugh Freeze has done with this football program through the transfer portal with an addition of an offensive lineman or two, a receiver from Ohio State in the big one, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback from Michigan State. Peyton Thorne. I mean, that's it. Look, you, you needed a transfer quarterback. You needed to have add some competition to it. Um, I think I think when T.J. Finley entered the transfer portal, I think that was obvious what was about to happen uh, when it came to a quarterback situation at Auburn. Nothing against T.J. Finley. He, maybe he goes somewhere else and, and start. Uh, who knows what happens with him. But I give credit to Auburn. Go out and find yourself some offensive linemen. Okay? They've done that. Go out and get a quarterback that's going to bring competition to Robbie Ashford in that room. You, you did that. Good job. Um, now it's all about continuing this offseason build in the summer. I think Hugh Freeze has is, is, is set things up. Look, do I think Auburn's going to come out and win nine games next year? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what their quarterback play is going to look like. Um, you can be honest on this program, Trey. That's okay. No, 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 no. I, I think, I think. Look, I think if you're a realistic Auburn kid, and and you understand the transformation that's happening, which is a good transformation, by the way. Um, you had to replace some parts on defense, um, offense. You're breaking in. You might be breaking in a new quarterback to the system, but Hugh Freeze is going to get things going in the right direction. So it's okay to say. Okay, we went seven and five, or we went eight and four. That's okay. Um, the SEC West is is LSU's right now. I think, and, 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 and key key team out of that piece is Alabama. I don't know what Alabama's got a quarterback. You know, they they bring in Tyler Buckner, but is Tyler Buckner really the guy? Is Ty Simpson the guy? Jalen Milrose? We don't know. So right now, you know, there's an opportunity for Auburn to gain a little bit of ground in the SEC. Um, I, I, and coming off last season, I, I think fans will take just about anything when it comes to positive news. So, you know, Auburn did a good job in the Florida like I thought they were going to do. Um, they, they finally found their guy at, at quarterback that they could bring in and, and, and up the competition. And, and now it's all about, you know, what does the end of May, June, July bring us before we start fall camp in August? And uh, they're off to a good start after the spring portal period. So nothing but good things to say right now for, uh, for Auburn. Well, Auburn fans here, I love to hear you say that. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, uh, one of the best in the business, giving us his time here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Trey, it's always good to talk to you, brother. We always appreciate you and your time and all your wonderful information. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all your great work, and what you got coming up. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at TreyWallace underscore. Follow all my work at OutKick.com. Put up a piece today. Uh, about student athletes and gambling um, and, and how they're getting around the system. Uh, very interesting piece and some interesting quotes from from players and officials in there. So uh, we're just chugging along, guys. We've got spring meetings in uh, about three weeks in Destin, and we're going to have some schedules, some format changes happening uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. So a lot going on inside this big old beautiful conference. That's right. Trey, we appreciate you, man, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon, all right? Thank you, guys. Be good.
That is Trey Wallace covers the SEC for OutKick better than most, and we always enjoy having him on and all of his wonderful information. we got to get to our break. We blew right by it, but that's okay. We always do that uh, when uh, a great guest like Trey Wallace joins us. We'll take a break, come back, and talk a little bit more when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Big, big thank you to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us as we got underway here in hour number two. I always enjoyed talking to him and getting his thoughts on what is a busy, busy time in college athletics. Not not necessarily around the SEC. I mean, yeah, there is some news going on, but I mean, you look at what just happened yesterday in Iowa and Iowa State as they are starting to investigate student athletes being a part of gambling over there. Um you heard Trey talk about that a little bit, and we have yet to really uh, touch on that. But um, it seems like with the Alabama stuff that went down, the NCAA, and Trey was talking about, and I thought that was really interesting, that the NCAA doesn't have a whole lot to do with this whole situation. It's just more of, this is more of legal things and school things mm-hmm. rather than the NCAA, which, which I guess sort of confuses me because... These are NCAA rules that these student-athletes are breaking, right? If they're gambling within – if you're a student-athlete and you're gambling on other sports, whether it be your own or not, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like they're betting on on NBA games and MLB games or whatever. But if you're a student-athlete and you're gambling on other sports, isn't that an NCAA violation rather than what it would be as a – an Iowa state law or anything like that. I guess that's where I need to to look into this more and truly see what they're talking about. And I've read about it and seen what's going on, but these are NCAA rules that they're breaking and school rules that they're breaking when they're yes. gambling on sports. So, well, I mean, it's the NC there's a, when you first start playing as an athlete for an NCAA recognized school, you have this like, seminar almost about this exact thing it's about like this uh peds things like that and they walk you through everything you can and can't do uh which is a lot with gambling it's you can't do anything and i understand why the rule is we're just not going to allow any student athlete to gamble on any sport of any kind i get why that is it's easier to control it if it's just a we have no leniency policy where you, if you are a student athlete under the NCAA, you cannot gamble. Because we've had this discussion and didn't have the chance to talk to Trey about it, and it really comes down to, to a matter of opinion. But we've talked about this. I don't have a problem if a college football player, a wide receiver for Auburn, decides, you know what, I want to bet on NASCAR. Because is that really going to affect anything? Does that really impact? Can that one player really impact what happens at a NASCAR race? Sure, you could say that they could communicate and word could get around and you could have a giant gambling scheme. I just don't see that happening on a massive scale. I think it's just the mindset of for an 18 to 22-year-old, it's a slippery slope before you end up doing something that you could really regret right and I'm with you and again I understand why the NCAA has said we're just not going to put up with it at all to to be able to manage it in the easiest way possible I get that 
but it seems like once the Alabama news broke that Brad Bohannon was giving information to betters in Ohio uh, for people uh, for people to, to try to make money on, then it opened up for other schools to to try to look into their people. So uh, it looks like we got a phone call trying to get them in really, really quick. 334-321-1390. Okay, go ahead, man. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. You got about a minute, so I'm going to let you rapid fire here. Yeah, so when I was playing at Auburn and in, in the professional NFL, and they harped on this, and this is the point why you can't gamble. Yes, it, there's nothing wrong. It looks like nothing wrong if you bet on NASCAR or another sport. But what the officials are worried about is that bookie asking questions and getting information mm-hmm. from you about your team. Okay. That's, where, that's what they are concerned about. And they, and they are zero tolerance on it. Okay, interesting. Now, let well, me yeah, ask I mean, you this, and, Dak, before you get off here. Do you think that still applies today where it's where bookies, quote-unquote bookies, are not as big of a thing? sports books. Yeah, are, oh, are straight-up sports books online? Yeah, now, it's, now, that's what's different, you know, because now a lot of things are online. Right. But when in the past, when you had to call a bookie or a place to talk to a live person, that was their concern. So uh, you do bring up an interesting point now that everything is can be done, you know, on it, it yourself. You know? Right. So that is a good question. I, I don't know. I've been hmm. out too long. To, That's interesting. To know. Well, you brought up a good point, do Deck, and, and man, hey, it's great to hear from you. We're about to get kicked out of here on the break, man. It's good to hear from you. Bring up a great point, and, and I think I want to keep talking about this when we come back because that makes total sense, and I hadn't thought oh, yeah. about that. But at the same time, your traditional person bookie out of his basement doesn't really exist a whole lot anymore because you can use an app on your cell phone. So, Well, I guess it depends on where you are <laughs> and how sketchy you really want to be. We'll keep talking about this when we come back. 334-321-1390. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird here on ESPN 106.7. Again, big, big thank you to Trey Wallace who joined us uh, in the start of hour number two, which led to a good conversation uh, about sports gambling within college athletics and college athletes, which seems to be one of the bigger stories going on right now around college athletics. But another big story is the fact that Auburn football has gotten an offensive lineman uh, in the transfer portal as of yesterday. Yesterday, Jaden Muskrat, uh, the Tulsa offensive line transfer, has committed to play for Auburn. Uh, add that to what has been a very impressive transfer portal window for Hugh Freeze and the Tigers. And uh, this guy on the phone lines wants to talk about just that. And we'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's going on? You mean another offensive lineman, right, Jacob? Another offensive lineman. You're right about that. That's it. it's been a long time since we said that, guys. I've heard the, in the room they like him at guard. Is that? Does that? Does y'all, y'all heard that as well? I've kind of heard tackle. I mean, which is interesting because he's not the tallest guy. He's just six three, um, but I think he's got some long arms. I mean, frankly, Terry, I think that he's a guy that may have a little bit of versatility to him. But uh, mm-hmm. I think if he's good enough to play, if he's good enough to be in your first five, I think you'll see him out there. Well, I heard guard because they want something opposite of Jeremiah Wright, quite honestly. 
So I've heard some so. good things about a guy like Connor Lou. Mm-hmm. I think Connor mm-hmm. Lou's got a decent shot to be your well, starter. You love Connor Lou. Connor Connor Lou is going to be the best center at Auburn in so long, in so long. He's going to be better Not than. Problem. Oh yeah, he's going to be. I mean, he's going to be better than Reese Reese D- Dismukes. I'm officially upgrading my my prediction there. How about Ryan Pugh? Mm. You know, I think Connor Lou's probably. I, I think Connor Lou can go play professionally, and I don't think those mm. guys really really played that long in the NFL. Okay, um, <laughs> you said it. You said it, Carter. I did. <laughs> hey, right, hey, write that Ryan down, Pugh, man. I think Ryan Pugh was a great center. I, I do. A lot I to put, but that's a lot to put on a young with, man that ain't played it down yet. I think he's. I think he's going to be that special from from what I've heard <laughs> from the way that Hughes. I mean. Terry, we're talking about an offensive lineman, a true freshman offensive mm. lineman that should be going to prom right now. Mm. And Hugh, a week into spring football, declared him a home run. Declared him a home run get. Mm. That does not happen for freshman offensive linemen. Ever. Doesn't happen for Auburn. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. But, but the offensive line is the hardest position to walk in the door and be college ready. And the Absolutely. fact that Hugh Freeze is saying that tells me a lot. Guys, I think you're everybody's seeing the reason I and I'm not beating my chest here, I'm telling you anything you don't already know. The reason I was sure. such a, a pro a pro Hugh Freeze guy, because yeah. I knew he would work the hardest and he would address the problems and he'd be most appreciative of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, I think right all now. of those have been true. And, and I, I think that's the big reason. Let me ask you guys a question in regards to the previous coaching staff. It's Uh-oh. as painful as that is. Okay, I, I'm why shocked you're bringing it up. Green, why does Alan Green get a pass on hiring that moron? I don't think he does. I don't think he gets a pass I don't think Alan Green gets a pass at all. Okay, well, I, I know people tend to bring him, and I'm guilty of that too. I do, I do as well. But nobody ever mentions Alan Green for hiring him. He did well, and well, I think I the reason do because, is— I mean, I mean, the amount of circles I've been in where where hot tub jokes have been made, mm-hmm. I think that that's. I mean, it's it's not forgotten at all. But I think Alan Green gets a. I mean, if he does get a pass from people, it's because of the other things that he did while he was here. But I don't I, give him I, a pass. No, 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 no. He gets zero passes at all. I, I'm Alan not Green's saying he not, gets. Was one. never a good athletic director. Let's be honest here. I'm not saying he gets one. He he hired he hired Brian Harson, so it's under him. The same way that Greg Burns getting the heat at Alabama for all the stuff that's going on over there, Alan Green absolutely gets the notch in his belt for Brian Harson. Alan Green was here. not ready to be an athletic director when he came to Auburn, and it showed. No, where is he at now? Do you guys know? He is an assistant athletic director at Ole Miss. Oh wow! Okay, which is where he was before he went to Buffalo. Really, I didn't know all that. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll see, guys. I'm, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm, as an Auburn fan, it's been a long. This will be my first season here as a resident of the Auburn area, and I'm, I'm darn excited. And how could you not be? Quite honestly. Yeah, that's kind of I what mean, we've nice been. To, that's kind of what we've been saying. Is it's really hard to not be excited if you're an Auburn fan. And I don't know if you were with us when when Trey Wallace was on to start the hour, uh, yeah. but he said, I mean, only good things to say about Auburn football right now. Yeah, and, and and it's just nice to look forward to a football season and not have to worry about some moron screwing it all up. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing too, Terry, is Auburn fans are looking forward to this upcoming season and 
sure, there are going to be Auburn fans that realistically think 10 or 11 wins are a thing. Let's kind of bring that back down to earth. We're looking at a 7, 8, possibly 9 win team, and Auburn fans are excited. Well, now, Jacob and Carter, I don't know if I'll be as excited about 11.30 at night when I hear you living here on Magnolia after Auburn beat somebody pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, appreciate the call, Terry. Good to hear from you, man. That's Terry joining us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Alan Green's official title is Senior Deputy Athletics Director for External Relations and Business Development. Put that on. Put that on a business card. That is a long title. That is a long title, buddy. And that, uh, that's a front-end back business card type of title for Mr. Alan Green. But so, uh, how about this? Have we, have we realized just how much um, interchanging of people in the athletic department and football programs Auburn and Ole Miss have done recently? It's been quite a bit, but I'm sure you're about to tell me why there's more. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just noticing. Like, like, there's... An absurd amount of connections there. I mean, yeah. there's multiple guys on this Auburn staff. I mean, Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. Uh, multiple guys on this Auburn staff and sports staff that were with him at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Thornton was at Ole Miss. Uh, Wes Flanagan has gone to Ole Miss. Alan Green has gone to Ole Miss. You had Lane Kiffin, who's at Ole Miss, that did not come to Auburn. Well, yeah, I'm not even counting that. I know. I'm just saying there's another connection. Could Alan Flanagan end up at Ole Miss. Ole Miss. <laughs> very well could. They're, they're very well could. That's kind of interesting. But uh, no, Terry, we appreciate appreciate the call. And, and yeah, look, Auburn fans should be, they should be excited, man. They should. They should be excited and they have reasons to be excited. It's not a, it's not a fake excitement that we're trying to build like I was doing this time last year, like we were all doing this time last year, trying to convince ourselves that this was going to be a good season. Now, I will keep saying, I have said this and I will continue to say this as the summer goes on and as we get into SEC media days and as we get into fall camp and as we get into the start of the season, you still have to get the results on the field. And those matter. The wins and losses still matter. And it's hard to comprehend that as we sit here in the beginning of May because there is a lot of excitement. But Auburn is going to be a solid team in the SEC. They're going to be a solid team. Are they going to be the best? No, not by any means. Are they going to be the best in the SEC West? No, they're going to be third or fourth in the SEC West. And I think it's fair to say, if you look at what the SEC West looks like right now, I think Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi State are going to round out the bottom three in some way, shape, or form because Arkansas is going to crash and burn. Mississippi State... Who knows what we're going to see over there with the passing of Mike Leach. And Ole Miss, I just don't think they've got the dudes to be able to compete in this conference on a consistent level. So you look at those three teams who will round out the bottom three. They don't recruit well enough. They're trying to build through the portal, and it's not a success. It's not a long-term plan. Well, what hurts is when you try to build through the portal and you're getting outdone by Hugh Freeze, who's also building through the portal. Well, no, through high school. Well, right now he's, he's having both. to he's having to rebuild through the. Well, he's portal. doing both. That's right. what I'm saying is is he's he's doing both things mm-hmm. at the same time. Yes, and when you're only good at one of them, like you have to be good at both, mm-hmm. unless you are just dominant at high school recruiting, like Georgia, like Ohio State, like Alabama. If you are, if you are in a situation where you're only good at the transfer portal, or you're okay at high school. 
or pretty good at high school and that's it? That's not good enough. We've seen that early on with the transfer portal. It is not a long-term game plan, successful game plan, to just rebuild every single year out of the transfer portal. And that's not what it was, that's not what it's for. And I guarantee you, Deion Sanders in Colorado are going to figure that out very, very quickly that you cannot just go and get the best of the best every single year in the transfer portal. So this Ole Miss transfer portal class is ranked 13th. You want to know what the flaw there is, though? Auburn and Ole Miss have have, have brought in 16 players. Auburn is is currently 6th. Ole Miss has had 33 transfers out. 33. Wow. And they brought in 16. That math doesn't really add up there, Carter. Auburn has had 19 leave and 16 enter or come in the door. That's a pretty good number. But you want to know what the 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 paper tiger a little bit that that old Miss's class transfer portal class is? You brought in two quarterbacks and they both lost the starting job. <laughs> They both lost yeah. to Jackson Dart. Yeah, you bring in two guys who could be starters at other schools and they still don't beat out the guy that was on campus. It's crazy, man. But that's what I'm saying is you look at, as we sit here on May 9th of 2023, you look at what Auburn could do and where they could be in the SEC West. I'm pretty confident they could be top three, top four. You heard Trey Wallace say the SEC West is LSU's. He said it's LSU right now because Alabama doesn't know their quarterback. You have Texas A&M who, who knows what they're going to do. And then there's Auburn. Auburn's kind of that outlier in the SEC West where they could be 6-6 six and six or they could go 9-3. and three. I mean, they really could. And so I think Auburn fans should be excited. I think the expectations should be limited a little bit. But for the most part, and Carter, you can correct me if you've seen or heard anything different, but I haven't heard many Auburn people say, oh, this is a 10-win team. We're, we're going to Atlanta this year. I just think the excitement is the fact that guys are coming in the door and Auburn fans maybe can see what the future holds under Hugh Freeze and the fact that it's just a little bit different than what we've seen over the past eight years. I mean, literally. Yeah. I think that's what the excitement comes from. I think, I think Peyton Thorne, the revamped offensive line, if you go get a couple, two more transfer receivers, if you go get a Larry Nixon, the linebacker, if you go get Isaac Ukwu, the edge, maybe a safety in there as well. If Who you, go you get need. Those guys, we're talking about 8-9-1 over team, I think. I think without Peyton Thorne, well, without Peyton Thorne, I don't, I'm not sure where you stand with Caleb Burton. I'm not sure where you um, stand with Shorter, the North Texas receiver, who I think you're going to land, by the way. I think he is. Have you looked at his stats? Oh, yeah. He has some crazy stats. Uh, what's his name? Montana Lamanius Craig. He's So it's Jair Shorter. I still don't know how I feel about Craig. He's better than what you got. And that's, that's all that that's matters. That's fair. That's fair. Last year, Jair Shorter, 23 receptions, 628 yards on 23 catches. That is, if you're doing the math at home, 27.3 yards per reception. And to go with that, keep in mind, 23 receptions, 
11 receiving touchdowns. How about that, huh? I looked at that the other day, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a go-to guy is what that is. And so I think with, with all of that, that's why Auburn fans are excited. Numbers like that. He's physical too. He's 6'2", 215. He's got long arms. He's got a lot of things that I think you can feel pretty good about. And then uh, Montana Lamontes Craig, 6'2", 185. Last year on a, and I think a little bit of this is, Look, that, uh, that Colorado offense was really, really, really bad. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass, but it was 23 for 359, three touchdowns. We saw what he did in the spring game. He had about half that. Could he develop into a solid number three, number four? Get out there, catch. I mean, all you need him to do is catch 20-something balls mm-hmm. and give you 400 yards, 400, 500 yards with the other guys that I think you could bring in. Yeah. And that's why, again, I go back to this. We talk about an offensive lineman that committed to Auburn through the transfer portal yesterday. We talk about these different receivers, and it's not just hypotheticals of, well, it would be nice if Auburn could get him. No, Auburn's going after these guys, and Auburn has a chance to land these guys because they went and got a quarterback that can actually throw the football accurately. They They went and built an offensive line from scratch, and they've gone and gotten guys to put around everybody. And so... That's why Auburn fans are excited. And that's why they should be excited coming into 2023. It's not the fact that there's just so much unbelievable talent. They have nothing. They can't figure out what to do with it. And they're going to Atlanta and playing the college football playoff. No. But the, the, the building blocks are being put down here. And I think that's why Auburn fans can see where this is going. 2023 is going to be solid. But the future is what's bright. And it's because of what Hugh Freeze has done so far, what he will continue to do, and hopefully the results that he gets on the football field. We'll take our final break here in the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back and wrap it all up. Want to hit on a few more things just in general around the country as uh starting to get a little dark outside, huh, Carter? Yeah, I, I noticed that as I looked at the window. To, I didn't know it was supposed to rain today. Me either. Well, I don't look at the weather enough. And again, don't use me as your weatherman, but if it does get bad, stay safe. We'll be right back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line and wrap it up in a few minutes. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back in as we are wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line and uh, just pulled up the radar while we were in the break because we both looked out the window here in the studio at the same time and it started to get a little dark in here and uh, it's it's starting to get dark outside and according to the radar, uh, looks like it is going to start raining here in Auburn around 4.30 maybe and then kind of come through and then be gone uh, over the hour or so. But again, I say this all the time. I'm not the we- I'm not your weather man. Don't use me. Look at the radar. Listen to your weather, folks. And uh, I'll put something in the system so I can hit a button and play like <laughs> like weather update music for you. <laughs> like you the sweet that. music they do on the radio and yes. on TV and stuff. We need to start doing that. But uh, no, it it looks that's like your, it could be. That's yeah. your Auburn weather update. There you from go, Jacob Go. There you go. Yeah, just sign me up, double duty, and uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll bump my pay for being a sports and a weather guy here. But uh, no, keep an eye on the I weather. Don't, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. One. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not going to bank on that one this Christmas. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on the weather. Maybe maybe bad for a little bit. Weather moving in for just a uh, a little bit here in the Auburn Opelika area. So I was curious, and I was doing this research during the break on Auburn and Ole Miss. We were talking about 
the difference in transfer classes and stuff. So according to 247, because I think they've got Ole Miss with a couple extra transfer commits that on three does not have, uh, Auburn has the fourth-ranked transfer class right now. Ole Miss has the 10th-ranked transfer class. Is that updated with, uh, with Muskrat in there? I believe it okay. is. I, but I, I, I assumed will, it was. I will double-check that. But I believe it is um, when you look at recruit rankings, Auburn is 18th. Uh, Ole Miss is actually scratch that. That is not updated with Muskrat. Really? Okay. So, okay. So uh, that is that's a little sh- shocking that that um, so Auburn has 17 recruits coming in. This does not count Muskrat, uh, who who signed what about an hour before mm-hmm. our show. Um, Auburn's 18th in the recruiting rankings. Ole Miss is 28th overall. Somehow. It's 18th for Auburn, 21st for Ole Miss. But again, keep in mind, two of those transfers for Ole Miss are going to be holding clipboards and colored hats on the sidelines, signaling plays to Jackson Dart. Which is just unbelievable. Because if you remember, they went and got... I think there's a legit chance Spencer Sanders does not play a snap at any point. Because why would you? He's got one year left. And he's your backup. Yeah. Why not turn those reps over to Walker Howard? Who's the future? That still just shocks me. That really just blows my mind on why, A, why Ole Miss went after Spencer Sanders, and B, why Spencer Sanders went to Ole Miss. I mean, I just that will baffle me until the end of time. It'll baffle me to the end of time because Jackson Dart is a solid quarterback, and we know there are maybe, maybe, maybe some back-end things with between Lane Kiff and Jackson Dart, but who cares? The guy can play. Well, if he elevated and won the Degum job, I don't I don't know what more Lane Kiffin can be upset about. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And so, yeah, I think that's important to keep an eye on it. And as we look at and talk about what the SEC West could be this year, Auburn has a chance to be in that middle ground, third or fourth, no matter what anybody else does. Because I think Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas are going to be bad. And I think Auburn's going to be solid. And... I'm so curious what A&M is this year. Yeah, I am too, man. Because I am too. they were so bad last year, and you know what they did? They like the 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 flex seal commercial with the leak, you know, where the guy slaps the 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 tape on. They said, "Bobby Petrino, let's go, baby!" And they slapped it over the massive leak that, that is their favorite, football program. Man. Those are my favorite commercials. I love those so much. <laughs> <laughs> he just rares for back some real reason, quick. Flex seal, and he just smacks the tape reason, on it. Bobby Petrino <laughs> is gonna fix everything. Oh, Bobby Petrino! Oh. Like we just, I, I, we all need yeah. to remember who that man is. It's the answer, man. <laughs> Flex seal, and he just smacks the There's tub a of water. There's a real chance, what, week, oh, week three, week four, or I guess week four, when Auburn plays Texas A&M. Haven't Bobby we pulled Petrino's their schedule up? already tried to have a mutiny and overthrow Jimbo Fisher. That is a, that is a non-zero chance oh. because of who Bobby Petrino is. Gosh, man. But So then take that into consideration. Auburn could very easily be the third best team in the SEC West with eight or not with eight wins at eight and four they could be the third best team in the sec west i don't think that's out of the picture at all i think you got a sneaky chance to go better than eight and four i think you do too and i think you have a sneaky good chance to take down some of those teams in the sec west does uh hang on i want to i want to see what what the 23 schedule looks like they're at miami week two miami's a dumpster fire but a&m was last last year 
and they barely won that game last year. Does Connor Wegman go to Miami and win that game? No. And if he doesn't, then then could things already be a little rocky by the time Auburn comes to College Station week four? And we know what the road team does in that in that rivalry since AM joined the SEC. Good thing is, we've got all summer to talk about it, brother. But not today. We're out of time here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. But come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. Stay safe in the weather. I'll talk to you later.